0: Pad up, it's the Australian Cricket Podcast, and here are your hosts.
1: O'Keefe okay, into ball to Coley.
0: He's bowling! He shouldered arms in Virat Coley, played for the turn, it did not,
1: and the death rattle was heard. Welcome to the Australian Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, a.k.a. Meners. And this is the first show of the week because we are lucky enough to be joined by our good friend, Gav Joshi, all the way from Mumbai. How are you, Gav?
0: I'm very well. You're right. I'm in Mumbai because I've got a couple of days off because we've won the first test, Meners. Can you
1: believe it? I cannot believe it. I am euphoric. And I have to say that the reaction in Australia is euphoric. It's just a just a great victory, so unexpected. It's a, What a shot in the arm for a Australian cricket. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, we've spoken about it. I mean, Harbajan might not have been lying. I think, bottom of our hearts, we're probably saying, yep, I think if we can draw a test back or if we can win one, it would be a miracle. Uh, but we certainly did that when we... Go up one zero in the series. No one's expected it in two and a half days. When Steve Smith would have put his head on the pillow after day two, he must have been thinking, "This is what dreams are made of." How can you win a Test match? You haven't won a Test match in Asia for nine Tests, and after 180 overs, he must have been thinking, "Geez, we can wrap this up in you know three days." And well, they wrapped it up pretty much in half a day. So one of the phenomenal performances of the I mean, in the last. 20 years i can't remember a, a test series where australia was such big underdogs and to do it against india in just two and a half days is just simply outstanding we keep we've been criticizing them but i think we need to you know absolutely stand up and applaud for this australian cricket team
1: i agree gav and i really want to talk about the test in poon but before we get on to that i just want to ask you if you listened to the last australian cricket podcast
0: well, I ha- actually haven't, Menas. Uh, I have been you know how it's been. Uh, I certainly haven't been part of the Pune pitch preparations, but um, I've had plenty on my plate, so I haven't.
1: Well, I'm glad you didn't because there was some professional envy dished out from MacGutt in your way, and I wasn't sure whether you'd be taking my calls this week. Um, so, uh, like, dodge the bullet there. I'm glad you didn't um, listen to it, but don't just take it on the chin if you do listen to it. I think Mac is a bit envious of you being over there watching the cricket live. And there was fallout after the last show. I've had to suspend Joe Carse from the Australian Cricket Podcast for some unsavoury commentary uh, during the episode. So it's it's been a fallout. We miss you over here.
0: Well, I could say the same thing if we're uh, you know, but um, if we're lost, but uh, look, we're winning. I, I'm loving this. I mean, you know, I've been wearing my Australian shirt around instead of Mumbai. Uh, Yesterday evening and again this morning, and few people have given me the looks. And of course, I don't look as much Australian. I might sound more like down my one, so um, uh, they probably think I'm just one of these supporters of just just wants to dish India. But th- there are a few like that, mind you. There was a lot of Australian, bit of Australian pocket crowd, crowded um, pocket in in Pune Stadium. And I'll tell you what, they were going off. I actually loved this one part where a spectator had his GoPro on the minute that. Sark got Coley's second ball. He just jumped up, had the GoPro going around himself where all the Indian supporters were, and he was just screaming, have a look at the silence, have a look at the silence. Sark he got Coley for a duck.
1: Well, I, I suggest I suggest you do that to Maka next time you see him after what was dished out <laughs> your way. Um, but I'll let you listen to it. Uh, the <laughs> listeners know what's going on. Um, all right, so let's start with this incredible and unforeseen 330 run test victory now you were over there in the build-up to the match did did was there any indication that such a dominant performance by australia was coming in the days leading up to the game
0: well i wouldn't say you know it was leading up but i thought australia we spoke about you know when i went over to dubai and australia did train quite hard and i I actually wrote a few columns about this and might have mentioned this on the show, that Australia was so prepared, it was so un-Australian, because in the nets in Dubai, for two hours, three hours, it was pl- it was plenty of focus just on defence. There wasn't these fancy reverse wheat ball, head down the pitch and smash a ball over the top. It was just that, bat, bat, And there's plastic chairs kept around the players. You know, they're acting as the short-legged and. Uh, Stephen O'Keefe spent a lot of time bowling from this angle, that angle, working on, on his pace, and you can just see Matt Renshaw was having so much that you know, as a chat with Graham Hick. And from from a from a certain distance, I could see Graham Hick sort of selling him, stay low, crouch further, you know, all these little things. So there was so much sort of application on this, you know, around, structured around defence. So I, I had a feeling that Australia's prepared for the test, but once we got this pitch. Uh, and just leading up to it, I, I, when I had a close look at it, I heard, overheard the curator and the head BCCI curator have a little bit of a chat in Hindi, and it went around this. The BCCI head curator said, this is good for us, and the head curator said, it might be good for you. I'm not sure if it's great for the local cricket association. So when I heard those words, I thought, well, hang on. A toss is going to be an important factor, and the team that bat first, if they put on 250 and 275, it's going to be extremely difficult to beat them. And as I mentioned, the applications, the resilience, and almost the un-Australian way of batting on day one, at day one I really told a few people that I think Australia could really win this test match because it's, the pitch is going to keep turning um, and India are really, I mean, I couldn't see India chasing more than 150 on that pitch on that if it went into third or fourth day um, and it wrapped up so uh, quickly.
1: We were having a bit of a giggle over here about the plastic chairs, but obviously they seem to work. And Darren Lehman said in the lead up to this test series that he pushed the team harder than he pushed them last time they went to Sri Lanka. Did you see that? He
0: might have pushed them maybe in, in, not sure where he pushed them because he only got into Dubai around, say, Friday. And most of these uh, players were training from, you know, four or five days before that. So, I, I certainly didn't see it in dubai maybe in Mumbai uh but they they were training we, we didn't see you know a lot of the ball games being played before the uh, you know the warm-up matches it was straight up into the net and just again in the net they had 25 bowlers in Mumbai bowling at them you know, from you know, different sizes.
1: Were you one of them?
0: Uh, well, I, I got very close, but um, I think because I'm a leg spinner, I think Swetson was just ahead of me. You
1: could have slipped in there. No one would have noticed.
0: No, no, they they wouldn't have. But, um, well, <laughs> maybe, you know, if, if, if Swetson does go down, let's hope he doesn't, but maybe for the third or the fourth or... I might, even game. I might even get a game in the test minutes because we might be 3-0 up.
1: Yeah, I think we will be. Now, um, O'Keefe's 12 for 70 will forever live in the annals of cricket history. It was a phenomenal performance. I just wonder why the Indian batsman had no answer to his style of left-arm bowling. You've watched a lot of them. What happened?
0: Well, there's a couple of reasons. You say the same thing. I mean, uh, Jadeja is pretty much... If you wake up Jadeja in the middle of his sleep and say... Ravi, you've got to tell me a pitch you want to bowl on. He will say the one in Pune. Now, clearly he was out-bowled by Stephen O'Keefe. So why is that the case? Now, I figured out that a couple of important factors was that to They've been bowling on pretty good wickets in India for the last sort of ten odd tests against England and so forth. So he's had to actually change his style of bowling. He's at, you know he's varied his pace and so forth. But it almost looked like Jadeja went back to the old Jadeja from ten years back, or when he was first onto the international scene, saying, "Rank Turner, just bowl it as quick as you can," and just forgot about changing his angle changing his pace or even if it's just subtly, you know, bowling over the wicket, he forgot all these things that's where Stephen O'Keefe in Dubai was getting re- getting used to all these rank turners and how to bowl on them with that Shredo Ram. he's underrated that coach, I'm telling you Menez, he's done a lot good for this Australian cricket team.
1: The secret weapon
0: Secret weapon and as he's speaking, he's going to be doing a media conference, so I think we'll see a few stories around him but so Stephen O'Keefe got the length nice and full. He bowled around that four metres. It's the same thing. When you're facing, uh, we've heard this all before in England, when the ball is seaming around, you pitch it up that that yard fuller, and then the edge comes because the deviation off the pitch is a lot more. It's the same thing facing spinners uh, on a rank turner. You've got to bowl that sort of you know, metre or half a metre fuller to get the edge. I think Stephen uh, Smith summed it up really well in the press conference when he said, why did Jamaica beat the bats so much and why was Stephen O'Keefe so successful? And he said he went wider of the crease, he lowered his arm, and because the arm angle was, and he was coming in from wide to a right-handed batsman, it meant that the actual deviation was less because he was falling from so wide out. And I thought that was fantastic insight, not from Stephen Smith, but just what Stephen O'Keefe did. The other thing I'm sure you would have read about is how after his first six overs on that day too, he went out to the middle at lunchtime Sridhar Shuram basically looked at the pitch and said, look, you've got to bowl it right over here. This is your spot. Do it. And he certainly did that. So it was amazing. absolutely brilliant. I think, as I said, the, yeah, the change of angles, the extra yards fuller, and just a slight variation. I've been speaking to a few spin experts around this part of the world, and they said you don't need to change it much. If you look at Stephen O'Keefe's pace, it was between 85 kilometers an hour to about, say, 95, and he used that 10 sort of kilometre-hour range, while today was pretty much around 90 to 95. That it, it might be just subtle, but everyone talks about these subtle changes, and I thought, you know, that's where Stephen O'Keefe was just simply too good. Although he did have lunch to play with, which is important in this part of the world, but they taken nothing away from him. Remember, we've hold this bloke for the last two and a half years to do this, and he's actually come out and did it. Unfortunately, he got injured in Sri Lanka, but... Cricket Australia have looked at all these various amounts of stats and so forth about who's excelled in India over the last 10 years, 15 years, in terms of batsmen and, uh, and spinners. They thought, okay, looking at, at all that, field, did that, did that bill perfectly, yep. and he answered you know, every yep. single question. So well done to him at the age of 32,
1: 33. It's a feel-good story, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I think I put a tweet out. I mean, he's got a long term role now. I think, you know, most touring teams that are going to be coming to India, he's going to be a spin consultant for them, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, I think that Virat Kohli's twin dismissals in this test match seem to affect the psyche of the Indian batting lineup. What do you think?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, yes, he's been, you know, scoring ample of runs, but I think. I think Anil Kumble probably hit the nail on the head. He said, you know, we've played 10 Test matches. We've just been almost invincible in all of them. Uh, we were bound to have a bad day. Whether it was Kohli's dismissal, I personally don't think so. There's some very good batsmen in this team.
1: I heard that um, Virat Kohli turned quite nasty uh, in the field towards the end, that the sledging towards Smith got pretty nasty. Do you think there's a chance he might get further unhinged if India continues to lose?
0: Yeah, he he could. I mean, this is the first time he's been really under the pump as as a captain because you can remember uh, out of his 24 or 25 tests, majority of them have been at, at home or in Asia where he knows what, where to go to. And suddenly all these plans that are, are not working for him, somebody's figured out how to play Ashwin and Jadeja. So, and, and, and we know how sort of a feisty character. Now, I've watched a fair bit of Indian cricket over the last 15, 20 years. It's the first time I think India... Missed the calmness of Donny behind the stumps. There's no way India, Janeja or Ashwin could bowl that poorly if if um, mm. if Donny was behind the stumps. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, I think so. Man. so I definitely think India is the first time since his retirement in Test cricket that India's missed him. But look, full credit. I mean, Australia was just just too good, and I, I think it comes from I think the Indians were just not expecting this kind of pitch and. And you know, we might talk about that a
1: little bit ahead in the show. Yeah, but I just thought Coles, the manner of his dismissals, you know, wafting in a wide one off Stark and then leaving a straight one off O'Keefe, just must have sent shudders through the Indian dressing room. But now to the Australian captain, Steve Smith. Michael Vaughan called it one of the great test hundreds. Do you agree?
0: Oh, I think so. I mean, you just have to look through the, the statistics. And if, if this pitch can be termed as a ranked turner, and I think it was pretty close to that. If not, uh, you know, it was pretty much unplayable. Like, you were always going to get a ball in, say, once in 15, 20 balls. That was going to get you out, and you just had to find a way. And how many centuries have there been on ranked turners in India? Not just in the first innings, but second innings um, or the third innings of the match. Looking at the statistics over the last 30, 40 years, it's probably been about two or three. Putting that into context, it's one of the best you know, innings against spin bowling. Yes, he did have three or four or five chances, but nobody reads about those. I mean, every, every, on that pitch, you needed a bit of luck, and he got his luck. But, I mean, his, his ability, I, I've spoken about this and I've written about it over the last three or four days. He's been looking to play this way against spin bowling since, I believe, since about November. If you look, if you remember his Keshev Maharaj dismissal, the unfortunate one given by Alim Dar. Ever since that, Steve Smith only advanced to spin bowlers, They, I think, during the Australian summer on like 25 occasions.
1: Are you saying that Smith now is not moving down the wicket as much? He's playing from the crease more?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and there's stats to back that up. He's only advanced to spinners, I think, 26 times during the summer, uh, Australian summer. And when I asked him about it in Mumbai, he basically said, well, yep, I've got different methods to play. And I think he's preparing for India. You just can't be, you know, the front foot going to the pitch of the ball. You can't run at the ball as much in India because there's sharp turn. You're likely to be beaten off the pitch really quickly, which doesn't happen in Australia. So he thought of the, about this, and he and to, there's one thing about putting it into place, and I think he did that superbly. I mean, and constantly playing inside, they call it the zero line over here, Menas, and I know I might be getting a little bit technical for some of our listeners, but Steve Smith basically said, I, I was happy to get beaten on the outside, but I just didn't want to be beaten on the inside of the bat. And the way his bat comes down, he ensured that... And he was beaten. I mean, Jadeja beat him 27 times. So, but he just kept going on. And, and that's the great thing about batting, the mental toughness, is that some people get paranoid when they're beaten so many times that they try to change the way that they bat, which Steve Smith clearly didn't. I mean, you know, take it one step further... On day one, his tactic was just to, yep, grind that out, score 30 of, I think, 81
1: balls. It was a disappointing dismissal, though. Marsh had just got out. He went down the wicket. I thought he lost his head.
0: Well, no, he, I mean, it wasn't as bad a shot as he played um, in the first test match against Sri Lanka. That was just a heave-ho. But this was, if you watch observe closely, it was a beautiful bowling by Ashman. he actually got the ball to just dip and cheer, curve away at that final second. That's what caused Steve Smith to actually hit that ball in the air. So I thought, as bad as the shot might have been, I think he was was deceived by some very good classical off-spin bowling. But going back to my point about Smith, he came out in the second inning. And Steve Smith's not known to sweep that much, but we saw the reverse sweep, we saw the conventional sweep, saw even like a bit of a slob sweep. Um, And Shredem Shredem had talked about this. If you're going to sweep, you need to be able to sweep in all And we saw this so successfully with Matty Hayden. He had to sweep from, you know, pretty much in India towards mid-wicket to almost a paddle sweep, which goes over leg slip. And Steve Smith used that shot, and it's not a shot that he always plays. And you just have to look at the field placement. India always had like a sort of short, defined leg inside the circle um, rather than having it back. And he used that strategy. And when the ball spun sharply, he actually played with the spin. So, look, it was one of the greatest. Innings I've seen in India against spin bowling because he had his method, and just to be able to sort of execute them so well, um, look, it, it's one of the finest. It's I think it was as good as KP's innings, but people don't agree because you know KP's innings was you know pure genius. I thought uh, while this one it, I think it ranks above KP's just because the the mental application, the resilience, and his shot selection and just mental toughness to be able to you know, play such a remarkable inning. Yes, it came in 30 innings when Australia had gotten a lead of 165, but full credit to Steve Smith. He really took that game away from India.
1: Yeah, top performance by Smithy, Captain Courageous, Captain Fantastic. Keep up the objective. now another performer and probably I would argue the best all-rounder in Australian cricket at the moment and that's a one, Mitchell Stark his all-round performance in this test match was unbelievable, he scored over, I think 90 runs for the game he's now scored 9 test 50s in 35 matches, he averages 25 with the bat and you add that to 2 wickets in the over in the first innings to rattle India, he had a really strong all-round performance
0: yeah absolutely, I I mean (laughs) There's a couple of Indian journalists who felt that he should have been given man of the match because those 60 runs were the ones that made the absolute difference. Um, I think they might have been, you know, they might have had something against Stephen O'Keefe for that, or maybe they might have been frustrated. But look, that innings, that innings in the first, you know, in the first innings, just really made the big big difference for uh, and and, and, the, and the double blows. But don't don't forget Josh Hazelwood because he wasn't given the new ball, but just he's Three or four overs that first inning. Because India were, I think, none for 28 after six overs. So they'd gone up away from the Australians. He pulled them back with a beautiful spell. Nicked off Murali Vijay. Then the doors opened with Mitch Stark, of course, with two in, in, in that over. And, and then O'Keefe finished it off. So I think those little contributions in India people tend to forget. Uh, but no doubt. I mean, Mitchell Stark, is he an all-rounder? let's not put too much expectation on him. I mean, I think he's still got to...
1: Well, well, Gab, I've got some stats here for you. I've got some stats here. Now, these are some leading all-rounders batting averages. Kapil Dev thirty-one, so that's a bit higher than Starks. Keith Miller thirty-seven, that's a lot higher than Mitchell Starks. But then you've got Richie Benno, considered an all-rounder. He averaged twenty-five with the bat, and Richard Hadley averaged twenty-seven. So you can definitely put Stark in their company.
0: Yeah, looking at the uh, you know the stats, yes, I think the pitches are a bit flatter these days. So. Um what I differentiate between an all rounder, men, is they have to score runs when they're required. Yes, Mitchell Stark did it here, but sometimes it's the expectation that, that sometimes you get, you get them when a team's sort of 5 to 60, and you, that's when you need the all rounder. Uh, does he get them then? I mean, of Australia or I mean, Australian cricket team certainly don't want to put Mitchell Stark in that position as yet because his primary role is to be a bowler. And I think this is where. I think Australia, just looking at this series, this victory, you sense that if Australia was going to win a Test match, it would have come through a burst of of Mitchell staff. Now we haven't had that yet, so that really puts us in good stead because somewhere this burst is going to come. You think in the next three Tests, and if you can produce that, who knows? We, you know, we might be on our way to well, not winning the series, but certainly winning another Test match in India, which and which
1: I mean, who would have thought? And that would retain the Borders Gavaskar trophy. I mean, we go into this test in Bangalore. If we win it, we retain the trophy. Now, Gav, I've got a couple of questions for you. How do you think the youngsters in the Aussie team coped with the conditions? Let's start with Matt Renshaw. He obviously had an unfortunate incident on the first day. Do you know if you can get man nappies in India?
0: (laughs) I don't know if you can get man nappies in India. I don't know if any kids in. You know, little little toddlers actually use nappies in India. I, I haven't. I walked around India for a fair bit, but I don't think I see them as much. But uh, <laughs> he might have to order some.
1: He can't keep coming off ten minutes before lunch.
0: No, he can't. But <laughs> well, we had the famous baked beans being shipped over for Warnie. I think we're going to get some big nappies shipped over for Renshaw.
1: Renshaw batted really well, though, didn't he?
0: Oh, he did. I mean, it comes down to that first innings, and it, and it's almost like you know that front foot. And that's what he said in Dubai as well. He said, "I was going. To, my primary role was to actually plonk my foot all the way down. I didn't mean plonk it across his stumps, plonk it in line of the ball, just inside the line of the ball, and then smother the spin." And he's got huge reach. I mean, it's all hers. it is very much Matthew Hayden like, and I think that made a big difference. The other factor is he knew which shots to play. I mean, he, people are saying, "Oh, he's got to fifty; he hasn't played one through the covers." But you didn't need to. I mean, that was his. That's the great thing about Matt Renchel. He understands his game so much. He had certain shots that he had to play. Yes, he probably played a bad one in the second innings. But the Straters were looking for runs at that stage. Uh, so I think full credit to him. I think he's got his game worked out. He doesn't want to drive against spin. That's that's perfectly fine, especially on a pitch that's doing so much. So let's see how he comes out in Bangalore. I was very pleased. I think. That Australian batting performance, as, as much credit we want to give to Stephen O'Keefe, was on was on back of a, a fantastic batting application on, on day one.
1: Yeah, I thought Hanscom and Mitch Marsh both looked pretty good throughout the test match with the bat. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, Hanscom got caught at Lex slips, and, and you get sort of those dismissals when I in the and the ball is spinning so sharply. So uh, I think he batted well. I mean, you got to remember on this pitch, yes, Steve Smith scored 100. And if he, if he had been taken, he would have been got out for 40. So we've seen both teams play on it. That 60 on this pitch is probably worth a tonne. So Steve Smith scoring 109 is probably worth a double hundred. Uh, so in context of that, those 20s by Hanscom, even Mitch Marsh's, that, that those 30s are so crucial in in a, on a pitch that you know the opposition's not going to score 400 or 450 unless you bowl, bowl plenty of pies, but which don't even land on this pitch. So a fantastic effort. I thought Hanscom was great again. The application was good. Mitch Marsh, fantastic. Uh, they played to their strengths. Uh, I can't harp on how much work straight is done of illuminating those simple problems in Sri Lanka which were not to be beaten on the inside of the bat and they executed that perfectly. I, I mean, apart from Warner and, and Sean Marsh maybe in the second innings who who fell to that LBW from around the weekend to Ashwin, none of them really got affected by it. So fantastic by all the upcoming you know, youngsters in Wrench or Hanscom, even Mitch Marsh. I thought they were superb.
1: Now, 4,502 days between test victories for Australia and India. Fantastic day for Australian cricket. I want to ask you a couple of questions before I let you go. You're over there, and, you know, we're over here in Australia, a long way away. Is there anything that we might be missing about the feel of the tour or the way the Australian team's been accepted? or Is there anything that we might be missing from here? Yeah, I mean, the
0: very bit of approach,
1: the approach of the Australians. People in India have been generally
0: surprised before this test match that this is such a sort of a non-intimidatory sort of Australian team. That nobody's come out. I mean, I was actually surprised it took this first win to, Steve Smith to mention anything about sort of winning the series. Prior to this, it's always been about the process and getting this right and, you know, if we can do win those sort of tough situations, which, which are very cliché terms. And a lot of the journalists in India have been talking to me and they said, where's, where's that outrageous statement saying, you know, yep, we're here to win. People can say whatever they like, but we know what we're capable of. None of these outrageous terms have been used leading up to this Test series. So that's what I've seen. I mean, yes, and Steve Smith said it, we've got nothing to lose. There's no sort of expectations. And and actually, looking through Sarah Ganguly, who actually led India to that famous victory in 2001 through that BVS Laxman inning, felt the same. He actually was on TV the other day and saying the same similar thing about this Australian team. He says, I remember playing against those invincible Australians, nobody gave us a chance, and how much that worked, and how much that actually brings the group together. And I think there's certainly that, um, although that's going to be really tested now. There's certainly expectations on this Australian team and, and depends on a big question is what kind of pitch uh, we get in Bangalore. So I think all eyes are going to be on that. Do India take a gamble and produce another ranked turner or do they go back to what they've been playing the best on? Because, you know, pitches which are good for the first three days and then start taking a bit of turn from day four and five. and they were able to use, you know, their spinners and their formidable batting lineup to actually just get into contest and work and grind the opposition down over the last five days. So I think they're going to be the talking points um, going into the second Test match. But certainly, there is a different feel about this Australian team. And, and and to top it off, I mean, I spoke to one of the Indian support staff who, after day one, who was genuinely surprised that the way the Australians batted on day one, they thought Australia was coming out to get them. But in fact, it turned out to be the other way. So I thought Australia definitely caught India napping in in every brand of. I mean, in terms of batting, bowling, and also the fielding.
1: Well, I mean, what has the reaction been like in India to this humiliating defeat? It reminds me of when we were humiliated by South Africa in Hobart earlier this summer. I mean, India must be reeling at the moment.
0: Well, the big question is why is such a pitch prepared. That seems to be all the focus is on I mean India's been playing really good cricket I mean we all know about their record 20 test matches at home but it's over the last, this summer that you know 10 test matches we've had most of them go into day 5 why has India you know the local cricket association there's plenty of politics over here men and. and we can talk about that on another day. but There's
1: politics in this podcast as well.
0: Politics on a podcast, yes. We can always talk about that.
1: You're missing it.
0: We're missing it. We, we can do a whole show on it one day. But um, but why was such a rank turner produced? I mean, I mean, Coley dis- dis- basically dismissed it, saying we're happy to play on another pitch. But I'm, I'm not sure. I've heard whispers that Kumbale wasn't particularly happy that uh, when he saw this thing, uh, and especially when they lost the toss and after what happened after day two. But that's what I think. There's the frustration about amongst the Indian public in saying, and why? And you know, Indian batsmen are known to bat so well and spinning wickets. But if you look at their record, even when they dished out those rank turners, say 18 months ago against South Africa, their scores were about 220, 240, 110, 170. So clearly, their batsmen are not the most capable of batting on these ranked turners. So why are we dishing them out against Australia? That's the perception over here amongst all the Indian public.
1: I was going to ask, what's Bangalore traditionally like? What can we expect if it sort of holds to tradition?
0: If it holds to tradition, I think we're going to see a very good batting wicket, which I think will turn slowly. Uh, and the outfield is, is, I mean, it's that altitude, it's a high-scoring ground. So I don't think we're going to see much of a... Grinding sort of game. I mean, the pitch will be a little bit quicker, stroke play will be a little bit easier. I think that's what traditional will be like. I think India will stick to that. I don't think they'll take the gamble of trying to just shatter around the ranked Turner. And if Australia do win the toss and score 250, 300 against them, then they will be under extreme pressure. Uh, so I think Bangalore will be traditional. I think it will see, you know, a four day or even a five day test match, which is playing to India's strength but there's going to be big questions about what they do about this pitch in Bangalore. It traditionally, it's very good for, for batting, but india has got to be careful as well that it's not too flat because if it's too flat, we know Steve Smith's in form. We know what Warner can do. We know Renshaw can bat for two days. So if that happens, then how do they conjure up a win? Are their bowlers good enough? If they weren't able to take wickets on a ranked turner, what, are they, what about the confidence of Ashwin and Jadeja if, they, if the pitch is not providing them as much support like it did in pune and they still struggled. so yeah it's a bit lots of you know what's going to happen so looking forward to getting down in bangalore in a couple of days minutes and keeping a close eye on what the groundsmen are doing not just during the day is when it's when they go home uh, when everybody goes home and what goes on around that pitch so it's going to be very intriguing
1: to mm, mysteries from pitch preparation in india do you think India will make any changes? I mean, the only one I could see is maybe Jayant Yadav uh, missing out, and they bring the leg spinner in.
0: Well, um, well I think they might play the Chinaman spinner, Kuldeep cool Yadav. Yeah, okay. Yep. Australia, I think, have had plans for these, you know, finger spinners playing inside the line and so forth. But when it's a wrist spinner, it's completely different. We saw the, the,
1: the Sri Lankan Chinaman. I think it's Sandeepan.
0: Sandican, Yeah.
1: Sandeepan.
0: S- sandican, You know, he, and sometimes it just hits just takes two or three wickets and just that's enough to sort of give Ashwin and Jadeja the momentum against So Potentially he could play, but we have to wait and see the pitch. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play. If it is a ranked turner again, uh, which I very much expect, uh, we might even see India play six batsmen. I was very surprised when they looked at this pitch and they thought it was a ranked turner. I mean, Ashwin and Jadeja bowled pretty much. 80% 80% of the overs. I mean, it was only, well, Yadav yeah, got well, pretty well, but I think it was just the fact that they had to change, that they had to bring the off spinner on. So uh, when, you, when you've had ranked turners, I think you've got to play that extra batsman. And I was surprised that India didn't play Kurunair. We know what he's capable of with that triple hundred. Uh, so unless it's a ranked turner, I think um, India will play Kulip Yadav, the Chinaman bowler. Um, otherwise, we'll, we'll, if it is a rank turner, we might see in their play those six
1: batsmen. Well, I think Australia will keep the same eleven going into the next game. But I'm really buoyant now, Gav. I can really see us retaining the Border Gavascar Trophy. I'm not sure about winning the series, but I think retaining the trophies well within our grasp. It's just so wonderful after hopes were so low going into it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, as I mentioned, you know, it's tricky business for India because they have to win two of the next three tests. Now, whatever conditions suit them, you know, I, I think they will try to scramble that, you know, at least a win in the next two tests and then maybe if it, if Australia is still playing really well and all indications are that they will, we might get a little bit of a sort of similar pitch for the fourth test if it's one all, and India might try to take a gamble or or something so yeah, yeah look look It's just opened up so many doors it's intriguing there's so much interest on all aspects and there's pressure in, in india and when there's pressure on indian players from you know a one billion people we've seen them crumble um a, a lot of times whether it's test cricket one day cricket or t20 cricket when the expectations are on you and you failed and suddenly the there's more people, there's onlookers are watching the IPLs around the, around the corner that always gets you know, all this criticism saying, are these players really good enough to earn all this money and focusing too much on IPL? They can't play on ranked earners. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on India as well. So it's going to be mm-hmm. a fantastic series that, you know, it's really, you know, but we're looking at this series, speaking to you last month ago, we were all thinking, yep, could be 3-0, what's going to happen if we get blocked in the first test? Well... India's the one who's been flogged. Now it's all up to them. So look forward for the for the whole series, but particularly these lead updates to Bangalore.
1: Well Gav, thanks so much for talking to me today. Don't go back and listen to the last show. As I said, Macca and Joe were pretty unsavory, so they've been tossed out for the moment. Um, it was great to have you on the show. I'm going to be doing another podcast this week with uh, Lisa Stalaker and Macca and uh, so it'll be uh, part two of the Poon Test Review. Gav, take care. Enjoy yourself over there. Enjoy Bangalore. Hopefully we can catch up again after another stirring Australian Test victory.
0: Thanks for having me on. Always fine. I'll, I'll have some different kind of angles and stories for you next time we talk. Hopefully, as you mentioned, with an Australian win and reclaiming the Border Gavaskar trophy.
1: Thanks, mate. Bye. What a marvellous stroke. He's played no better shot than that in the whole of this series.